It was a fall day, and two 12-year-old boys were on the side of a hill playing with matches. And uh, they were starting... Oh, I was one of those 12-year-old boys, by the way. They were starting little fires and thought it was fun. Start a fire, put it out. Start another one, put it out. Start another one, stamp it out. Then the wind started to blow, and the fire started to get bigger and bigger, and quickly it became something that two 12-year-old boys could no longer put out. And it was completely out of control. We were where we were not supposed to be. We're supposed to be at Grandma's house, but we're not. We're up on the hill starting fires. (laughs) So I tell my cousin, you've got to call Grandma. You've got to go call her and tell her the hills are on fire. So he freaks out. He runs down the hill, picks up the phone, and calls to tell Grandma to call the fire department because the hills were on fire. But she heard him say, call the fire department. The house is on fire. Total miscommunication. Fire department, paramedics, they all show up. And probably the most single bit of trouble I was ever in as a child. Because they came, thought they were going to put out this house fire, and it was just, it was actually a very small fire. But that miscommunication made a mess. For some of us, our communication with God today is a mess. Or maybe, maybe for some of us, we don't even communicate with God at all. But how do you connect with God? Probably the, the best way to start that discussion is, How does God connect with us? Because God is always the one that starts it. God is always the one that reaches out first to make the connection. God is always the one that throws out the first pitch. He's always the one that takes the first step. He's always the one that begins walking towards us before we ever realize He's coming in our direction. Do you, on a regular basis, connect with God? Do you on a regular basis experience God? Today I'm going to talk to you about a guy in the Old Testament who experienced God. There's some folks coming down the aisles with Bibles. If you're here for the first time and you don't have a Bible, please raise your hand. They'll give you one. It's yours to keep. If you forgot yours, let them know. They'll give you one and you can keep it. We believe the words in that book can lead you to a relationship with the creator of the universe. There's a there's a virus sweeping through my home right now and came to share it with you today. <laughs> so be careful when you talk to me. But in this closing session of this series we've called Ignite, we're going to find out what God does to connect with people. Because that is at the core of God's being. That's why He does everything, is because God wants to connect with human beings. And our ability and our openness to connecting with God will determine how we live our lives, how we handle conflict, how we handle disappointment. Over the past few weeks, in this series we've called Ignite, we've talked about igniting conviction. I talked about igniting confidence. And last week, Rob talked about igniting choices in our life. 
Some of you here today may not be a believer. You may not be in the family of God. Maybe you haven't made that decision yet. And you're just here checking things out. You're just seeing if this is something that you really want to get involved with. If it's, if it's something you really want to be a part of. Listen to what I'm going to talk about today because God really wants to connect with you. Those of us that are lifelong followers of Christ, we need to hear this. We need to hear how God wants to connect and communicate with us. Because maybe you're here and you feel like you're in a desert or your faith is just drenched in doubt. Today's message hopefully will ignite a desire in you to connect with God. In the Old Testament, there was a guy named Moses who connected with God. It's in Exodus chapter 3. It's on page 40 in those Bibles that we just handed out. Before I talk about Exodus chapter 3, let me give you a background of what happened before we get to Exodus chapter 3. The Israelites were slaves in Egypt. Pharaoh made their lives difficult. And he beat them and he made them work long hours and he kept them malnourished and he just didn't take care of them. They were enslaved to Pharaoh and Egypt. And then one day Pharaoh noticed that they were starting to get larger and larger and larger in numbers. And he began to talk with his advisors and they determined that we better do something about this because there's going to be a day, there's going to be more Hebrews, more Israelites than there are people in Egypt. And they can join our enemies and they could take over and they could defeat us. So what he decided to do was to kill all the newborn baby boys. And he thought that will keep the population down and that will take care of things. In the middle of that decree is when Moses is born. When all the baby boys are being slaughtered at birth, Moses' mother took him and hid him away for three months. And when she determined she could no longer hide him, she decided to put him into safety. So she put him in a basket and let him float away in the river, hoping that somebody would find him. Somebody did find him. In fact, Pharaoh's own daughter found him and took Moses into her home and raised him as her own. So Moses got to grow up in Pharaoh's house. He got to grow up with the best education, the best of everything. One day, Moses was watching an Egyptian beat up a Hebrew. And it angered him so much that he went and he killed the Egyptian. And he thought, nobody saw, nobody's ever going to know. But people found out. And then Pharaoh wanted Moses dead. So then he became a man who once lived in the house of Pharaoh, was now a man on the run. And he runs into the desert, and there he gets involved with other people, and he finds a wife and goes to work for his father-in-law. And then we start reading in Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. We pick up here in Exodus 3, and it's Moses in the desert. Not just in the desert, he's on the far side of the desert. 
like the backside of the desert, like way, way, way in the desert. And on top of that, he's working for his father-in-law. So, so the guy's really in the desert. One moment he's in Pharaoh's house, and the next he's running from the law in the desert, and he's all alone. And I guarantee some of you walked in here today feeling like you're in a desert. Feeling like you're disconnected from God. Maybe you're in a health desert and something's going on with your health you didn't expect. Maybe you're in a relational desert. Maybe you're in a direction desert in life. I believe God allows those deserts in our lives because He wants to meet with us. And when we're in the desert, it can be a place where we have the greatest opportunity to meet with God. Because it's in the desert, God can connect with us. It's where God can find us oftentimes because in the desert is when everything's kind of stripped away and, and all the things that we pile into our lives and pile into our lives and crowd out the voice of God, all of a sudden when we're in a desert, we're at a place where we can hear Him. When we're alone, we're at a place where we can hear Him. And God can find us there in our deserts. Listen what happens to Moses in the desert. Chapter 3, verse 2 says, There an angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire from within the bush. You know, living in the desert, Moses would have probably seen spontaneous combustion because it's hot, it's dry, and just occasionally what happens, something will just burst into flames. He probably would have seen that. But this wasn't the first time he saw a bush burning in the desert. But there was something unique about this one. It didn't burn up. And this one spoke. So it's something that he had never seen before. I mean, that's an attention getter, isn't it? You know, a bush starts talking to you. you know, I would stop and listen or run, but he chooses to stop and listen. God used a burning bush to get Moses' attention. What's he using to get your attention? What's the burning bush in your life? What's going on where you think, God, are you using this thing, this person, this conflict, this circumstance to get my attention? You know, time in the desert can be a productive time. But more often than not, when we find ourselves in a desert, we start to have self-pity. And we start to think, God, why me? Why, why is this happening to me? Why couldn't it happen to, you know, somebody else, like that person I don't like? Or why couldn't it just be somebody else? Why does this have to be me? Everybody else has it so good, and, and yet I have to go through this. When you're at the point of saying, why me? Know that you're likely at a place where God desires to connect with you. When you're at that point where you're thinking, why me? Why is this happening? That's the place where God can connect with you. In the desert, He connected with Moses and He made His will clear to him. The desert's where Moses connected with God in a way that led him to an experience with the creator of the universe. This, this experience Moses had with God gave him strength. Strength to say, God, here I am. Here, here I am. I'll do anything you want me to do. I'm ready for it. Whatever you do, want me to do, just say it. 
So God told him he wanted him to go back to Egypt and take all of the Hebrew people out of Egypt and bring them to the promised land. I want you to rescue them, Moses. Through this connection with God, Moses gained conviction, he gained confidence, and he made the choice to follow God wherever he was asked to go. When we come to that point where we can say, I'm convinced, God, use me with no strings attached. I'm totally and completely yours. I'll follow you. You name it, God, and I'll do it. When you can get there, God's Holy Spirit will send a spark to ignite your faith like never before. And you'll get connected with God in a way that you've never been connected before. When you can stand before God and say, no strings attached, God. You're all-powerful. You're all-knowing. You're, you're faithful. No strings attached, God. Whatever. When you can pray that prayer in your life, it's time to buckle your seatbelt because something great's getting ready to happen. But a lot of people choose to live their lives disconnected from God. You know, being disconnected can be scary. Being disconnected from anything that's familiar, comfortable, can be scary. Last week I had the opportunity to go to, uh, went to a wedding in El Paso, Texas. And if you've ever been to El Paso, you know there's a, a river, well, a ditch called the Rio Grande that runs through the middle of the city. And you can just look over and you can see Mexico. And in my family, there are four of us, my wife and I and our two daughters. And, and uh, two of us are very adventurous and ready for anything fun and cool. Looks like it's going to be an adventure. We do it. The other two, my wife and my youngest daughter, they're like, you know, you know life's kind of short anyway. Why are you trying to shorten it even more? I don't understand. So my oldest daughter and I decide we're going to go to Mexico because she's got this little map coloring and everything, every state she's been to and country and everything. Mexico wasn't colored in, so we're going to get the color in Mexico. So we'll just, we'll just, we'll just drive across the bridge, turn around, come back, and now we can color in Mexico. Well, we decide not to drive because it's not safe to drive over there because people think you have a lot of money and insurance and they hit you and, and try to sue you. So we decided not to drive. So we decided we're going to walk over to Mexico. So here we go across the bridge, and it's 50 cents to get into Mexico. So we pay the toll, and, and we're going across the bridge, and we cross that border that, that's real clearly marked, big yellow line, like now you're in Mexico. There's nobody there to greet you or anything. There's nothing to go through. You just walk into Mexico. And people had told me, you better hang on to your daughter because it can be unsafe. And, and people grab kids. And, and so I've got a hold of her. My heart's pumping. We're in the city. It's crowded. We're the only people with fair skin that you can see for anywhere. And she's like got a, a jacket on. I didn't realize until later. My daughter's blonde hair, fair skin, and a jacket that says American Girl on the back of it. It's like, <laughs> Target, Target. And so, so uh, we're, we're walking through the streets of Juarez, Mexico. And I've got a hold of my daughter, and I began to feel afraid because I'm thinking, I don't know if I'm protected like I'm protected on the other side of the river. I don't know if people are going to come and get me like they would on the other side of the river. And I started to feel this disconnection, like I'm, I'm really, I'm really kind of scared. But I didn't tell her that. You know, she thought brave dad were getting through this. She was scared too. I could tell. So we go back, and one thing I didn't realize, when you go across the bridge, you just can't turn around and say, hey, I'm back to America, thanks, uh, you know, it was fun visiting Mexico. you got to go back through immigration, which is like two blocks down and three bridges over. So here we go on another walk. And, and so we finally get back to the good old U.S. of A., and it was like, I was afraid. She was afraid. We were disconnected from things that were comfortable, 
Things that were, where we knew we were protected, and it was scary. Living disconnected from God can be scary. Living away from His goodness, away from His grace, and not having that connection to know that when I'm in the middle of the desert, when something's gone wrong in my life, when the doctor says, this ain't so good, when, we're, when somebody in a relationship with us says, hey, it's over, there's comfort in knowing I'm connected with God. He wants to meet me here. God wants to be with me through everything I go through. It's scary to be disconnected from God. From this story of Moses, we can learn a few things about how God wants to connect with us. The first one is, God pursues me. God is a pursuer. God searches. I hear a lot of people say, I found God or I found Christ. It's not like you go to Walmart one day and it's like, honey, there's God, I found Him. I mean, God is everywhere all the time. We don't find God. He finds us. Moses didn't just happen to get into a part of the desert where God was hanging out burning bushes that day. God was already there. God was already with Moses. He was already following him. He was already seeking him. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, in the New Testament, in one of the Gospels, Jesus said, I have come to seek and save the lost. He's the one that does the looking and the searching. God pursues me. Another thing God does, God speaks to me. God got Moses' attention before he ever said a word. He's walking through the desert. Here's a bush. It's not burning up. It's not just going up in a puff of smoke. It's continuing to burn. So Moses is like, I better check that out. And then God communicates. God speaks to us through people, through circumstances, through music, through sermons, through conversations, through, through this, this book that we just handed out. God desires to communicate with us. What's God saying to you through your friends? What's God saying to you through your marriage? What's God saying to you through the music you listen to, the people you hang out with? When Moses moves closer to hear God speak, listen what happens. Chapter 3, verse 5, God said to Moses, Don't come any closer. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. What he's saying is, Moses, take off what is separating you from standing firmly on my ground. In this case, it's your sandals. Take them off. What in your life is separating you from firmly standing on God's side of the fence, from firmly standing on God's ground, from firmly being where God wants you to be. Because all of us, we got something we got to get rid of, to firmly stand on God's side. And God says, whatever that is, if you desire to have a connection with me, I want you to remove it and stand with me on my ground. If you found yourself in the middle of a desert of life, you, you can make it. You, you can get through it. God pursues us and God speaks to us. And oftentimes the place where He speaks the loudest is when we're in the middle of a tough spot, when we're in the middle of a difficult time in life, 
when we're in the middle of saying, I can't go any further, I can't take any more, I can't do anything else, right when we're in the middle of that, God speaks. We just have to be ready to listen. In Exodus 3, verses 7 and 8, it says, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out, and I'm concerned about their suffering, so I've come down to rescue them. Those two verses tell us a few things about God. Number one, He looks. He says, I've seen the misery of my people. Second Chronicles 16, verse 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth, seeking to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. God is looking out to find people that He can strengthen. He's looking out to find people that He can be committed to and people He can connect with. God listens. God is interested. And God always provides a solution. In this case, it was Moses. Moses was God's messenger to go back and rescue His people from Egypt. The last thing is that God is clear with me. God makes His will clear. God tells Moses to go to Pharaoh and get his people out of Egypt and to bring them out of slavery. Listen to this exchange in Exodus 3, verses 11 through 14. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this is the sign that it is I who have sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me. And they ask, What's his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. He's saying, Go, Moses. Don't be afraid because I'm with you. And here's Moses thinking, well, I'm still not sure if I'm going to do this. Suppose I go, God, I'm not saying I'm going, but suppose I go and I get to Pharaoh and I get to the the Hebrew people and I say, God sent me, I'm here to get you. And they say, well, who sent you? And God tells Moses, tell them I am is my name. You mean I am is your name? You could pick any name in the universe. You're God, and you pick the name I am. You know, when God says, I am, it means we're not. It means He is the one in control. It means I am because I am. I am everywhere. I am with you. I'm in charge. I'm in the beginning. I'm in the end. When you're in a difficult situation, I am. I am with you. No matter what happens. And God liked the name I am so much, He said, That's the name I want to be known for throughout all generations. I am. I mean, it, try to substitute I am for God when you say it. It just kind of sounds funny. This, if you would have been Moses and you would have been listening to this conversation, it wouldn't have been in English, of course. It would have been. In some other language, it would have been in Hebrew. So here is the Hebrew word for I am. So here's here's Moses saying, I don't know if I want to do this. God, I'm not sure. Suppose I go, and the the next words he heard from God, the next word was this, Hayah! That's what he heard. (laughs) So I'm sure he's like, oh, okay, I'll go, I'll go. I mean, the bush said, Hayah! 
And the word Hayah simply means be. So God's name is be. Simply put, His name is be. So who sent you? Be did. And, and let me tell you, be means business. Be sent me. Because God just is. God is the I am. God is be. He's just here. We don't bring Him here. We don't find Him. God just be. God be. God be, right? There's no place you can go where be isn't. He's everywhere. When you're in trouble, think about be. Because be is in control. So those are the things that God does to connect with us. So how do we react to that? What do we do when we know that God pursues us? And we know that God is clear with us. We know that God wants to speak with us. We do just what Moses did. We listen and then we act. When God told Moses to go back to Egypt, they had an exchange and he had to be a little bit more convincing to Moses. It wasn't just like the first thing Moses said, okay, I'll do it. Moses needed a little evidence and that's okay because when we look at God and say, you know, God, I'm not sure if this is you. I need just a little bit more. I need a little bit more evidence. I need a little bit more convincing. God's right there giving us evidence and convincing us. He did that for Moses and he'll do it for you. And finally, Moses said, yep, this is God. Yep, this is B. And this is what he did. So Moses took his wife and his sons, put them on a donkey and started back to Egypt. Moses connected with God and made some major adjustments in his life. And if we're going to connect with God in any way, it's going to require some adjusting. Maybe some adjusting the way we spend our money. Maybe some adjusting the way we talk to other people. Maybe some adjusting the way we treat other people. Maybe some adjusting of our attitude. But if we want to connect with God, we've got to make some major adjustments in our life. On the bottom of your notes, it says today's takeaway. And this is what I want to leave you with. This is the question I want to le- you to leave with in your mind. The thing I want you to think about during the week. And that question is, what's my burning bush? In other words, how is God trying to get my attention? And am I listening? Am I listening to God in my marriage? God trying to get my attention with a burning bush in my marriage? Am I listening to God in my career? Is God trying to, to get my attention there? Am I listening to God in the way I parent? Am I listening to God in the way I act as a child? Am I listening to God in my circumstances? Because God provides a way every time for us to hear Him. Don't ignore B. Connect with Him.